Well, the table has been set for us to look into God's Word so well this morning. So get your Bibles out. Let's open them up to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1 as we continue in our Steadfast Endurance uh, series. Today we want to take a look at a message that talks about um, being unashamed in faithful service. This word appears actually three times in the text. Uh, in chapter 1, twice we saw last week, and we see it again at the end of this chapter, this idea of being unashamed. Um, I'm so thankful of, to, for faithful servants who are guiding and leading and serving in our church uh, during these days. I, I think of small group leaders who are, are wrestling with how you get your group together on Zoom, how you make it alive and all the rest of it. And I'm so thankful for faithful people who are serving like that, people who are serving in um, our Hope Kids ministry and youth ministry and young adults and men's and women's. There's so many faithful people. I just, I'm just so grateful for them. I'm, I'm grateful for our staff and their sticking with it and trying to figure things out when you, you think you've got a plan put together like um, March break and then all of a sudden March break gets moved and yet faithfulness to stick with the stuff and keep on going. I'm thankful for the elders that I serve with and just thankful, thankful to God for his goodness. But we want to talk today about being faithful in our service and we find it in in 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, starting at verse 13 down to the end of the chapter. So let me read it, we'll pray, and then we'll dive right in this morning. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and he found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Lord, we want to look into your word today. We want you to stir in our hearts. We want to be very aware that anything that's accomplished through this service or through this message will be accomplished through the work of your Holy Spirit. Uh, so prepare our hearts, Lord, to set aside the distractions, to get our eyes fixed on your word, and to learn, God, what you have for us today. Lord, would you give us ears to listen carefully to your word? Would you give us minds, God, to be able to comprehend the things that your spirit is revealing to us? And then, Lord, would you give us the faith, the faith, God, to leave, live these things out for your glory? Do this work. Please, God, do it for your fame. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thinking about this text, my, my big idea here is that we are unashamed, so I will serve wholeheartedly. This idea of faithful service, I will, I will serve you wholeheartedly. It all, it all really goes back to what we talked about last week as we saw the relationship and the challenge to fan into flame what God has given you as a gift and, and to remember the hope that we have. And, and, then, and then Paul, as he's writing, comes down to verse 12, but I am not ashamed for I know who I have believed and I'm convinced that he's able to guard until that day what has been entrusted 
to you. So with that foundation, I am not ashamed. I know who I have believed. Our foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, how do we serve? How do we serve the Lord faithfully in these things? Now, three things we want to see or three parts to this message we want to look at today. Serving faithfully, first of all, we want to see the pattern. We want to see the pattern or the tools and the roadmap of serving. Uh, The word pattern is right in the text. Uh, Verse 13, follow the pattern of the sound words that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Follow the pattern. Now, maybe this next statement is going to be a little bit stronger than I really believe, but I'm trying to make a point. I hate Ikea. I hate it. I hate it. I go to that store, they make me walk on paths I don't want to walk on, they make me go places I don't want to go, and then I buy stuff in a box and I take it home and I have to put it together. Okay, so that's my personal problem. I need to get over it and get on with life, but, but it just bugs me. But the point is, we bought a chair there one time and we brought it home and a cupboard. We brought it home and we opened the box and there was all of this directions. There's these directions there. There's a, there's a pattern. Uh, that you're to follow. I'm not really good for patterns. I like to get the stuff out on the floor, spread it all out, and then figure, how can we just like slap this thing together? And uh, I'm, I'm convinced they haven't sent the right things. I'm convinced we don't have the right amount of things. And Sue's not like that. Um, she's good at following the pattern. My wife is uh, making a quilt right now for us. That's it's amazing. And uh, the amount of work she's putting in it, she follows the pattern. If she goes off the pattern, it'll be a disaster. Trying to put that chair together or put that cupboard together, uh, going off the pattern, it would be a disaster. So I'm thankful for a wife who's given to those kind of things because I'm not. But um, in the text here, Paul says to his friend Timothy, follow the pattern. Follow the pattern. Um, a big part of God's, God's um, design for us and uh, goal for us is that we would follow after the patterns that are, are laid out. Look over in chapter 2 and verse 2. It says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There's the pattern. There's the pattern. Um, entrust the things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. In Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 13, it says, And he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We see the pattern. We see this pattern. 1 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. Therefore... We are ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be, no, be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are the ambassadors. We speak for God. We don't, we don't make up our stuff. Ambassadors never do that. They pass on the message that's been given to them. There's a pattern. And and Paul here is saying, follow the pattern. Follow the pattern. I remember a a number of years ago, I I heard the statement that at McDonald's, when they're teaching their staff, when they're training their staff, they used to say, we don't train our staff how to make a hamburger. We train our staff how to teach someone else how to make 
a hamburger. That's, that's the idea that we're going for here in this pattern. It's the principle of discipleship. Timothy, prepare to do the work of ministry. Prepare to pass on to others. Prepare to, as it says in verse 2 of chapter 2, what you've heard in me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. In Ephesians 4.14, we get some ideas to why this is so important. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in in deceitful schemes. Uh, We need a pattern. We need a way that we do this. And and, and God has uh, given us his word. We're going to see that in a second, the pattern that's there. But hey, church, Church, I think about all those faithful people who have been serving. They are following the pattern that God has laid down, preparing people to do the work of ministry. This whole letter is Paul's letter to Timothy from prison at the very end of his life. He's about to die, and he's like, how can I pour into this young man? How can I pour into this young man? Um, Who are you pouring into? Is it your spouse? Uh, Is it your kids? Is it your small group? Is it coworkers? This pattern, who are you pouring into so that they can pour into and, and the church will go on and it will thrive and it will grow. And well, why is this so important? Well, because opposition is coming. Opposition is already here. But more opposition is coming. We, we, uh, we heard in the announcements about uh, Bill C-6 and um, our need to be aware of these things and speaking about these things and uh, writing your uh, MP, MP and, and being engaged in what's going on. I, we sent that out and somebody else, I mean, don't forget about C-7. And like, there's so many things we can be engaged in. Because why? Because opposition is coming. It's coming. And for those of you, some would think, well, Bill C-6, there's enough loopholes and stuff in it. There's real concern in that bill. And and if it plays out the way that things tend to play out, um, it's going to be very troubling for the church as we move forward. Opposition is coming. You just mentioned Jesus in the workplace, and you watch. Opposition is here. Opposition is coming. Why it's so important that we follow a pattern. Here's another one. False teaching is coming. Um, if we need to guard the word of God as the elders of the church, we have a responsibility to that, but, but you have a responsibility to know God's word and, and live God's word, but, but be ready and watch for false teaching and call it out when it happens. Opposition is coming. False teaching is coming. Um, ideas of how to shortcut things are coming. Uh, An easy believism that, you know, you just trust Jesus. Everything else is fine. Um, shortcuts to the maturity in Christ, shortcuts to the grace of God, um, Exhaustion is coming. We need a pattern because exhaustion is coming. I've talked to too many people in the last few weeks. Just, I'm just so tired of all of this. I'm just so tired. And, I'm, and, and I feel it. I feel it. But we don't give up. When it's hard, we trust the Lord and we lean in. And we, we continue in faithfulness before our God. Um. We need to stay with the plan. We need to stay with the plan. It talks about the pattern of sound words. So there's a pattern here. There's a pattern of discipleship here. But then there's a pattern, he says, of sound 
words. Uh, the word of God is center. The word of God has to be at the center of my life. It has to be at the center of our church. And if it isn't, we're outside of the pattern of sound words. Not a philosophy, not hype, not glitzy packaging. The church can be guilty of all of those things. And some of those things aren't wrong in and of themselves. We have lights and we have cameras and we have things in our church. They're not wrong things unless they're used in wrong ways. And when when the glitz and the packaging and all the rest takes over the priority of the word of God, well, then it's very wrong. It needs to be set aside. It needs to be gotten rid of. But the reality is we have this sound word because nothing can replace this sound word In the midst of everything else that changes, the word of God does not change. So when I think of the sound word, I I think of three things, three things that can help us today. Uh, First of all, the sound word goes to the very foundation of the gospel. That's the sound word. Uh, Get your eyes fixed on the work of Jesus Christ. Understand the work of redemption for you. In Genesis chapter 3, we see the fall of man. We see uh, man is now spiritually dead and God has already got in his mind for eternity the plan of how Jesus will come and how he will meet that need. The law is laid out so that we can just see how unable we are to satisfy the wrath of God. And, And even though there was a shedding of blood for the remission of sin in the Old Testament, it was all a picture leading towards the work of what Jesus Christ could do because of the blood of bulls and goats could represent Uh, what we needed, but the blood of bulls and goats could not accomplish what Jesus Christ ultimately would accomplish for us. And so we have this this gospel, this redemption story that culminates as Christ comes and, and lives among us for like 30 years. And then he dies on a cross. He sheds his blood. He's dead. He's buried. He's risen again. This picture of our redemption satisfying the wrath of God so that by God's grace through faith we can put our trust in Christ and we can be saved. Don't ever lose sight of that piece of the pattern of sound words. Sound words in our lives is all around who Jesus, all the whole Bible points towards Jesus Christ. Those are the sound words, the, the words of redemption. If you heard that story before and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, your plans, your thought, your works are never going to save you. It was all accomplished in Christ. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. He makes you alive in Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today and be saved. You don't earn that. You don't deserve it. It was all done for you. That's why it makes it so difficult for us because we live in a society we got to accomplish things to get things and The reality is Christ did all of this for it and he gave it to us as a gift, as a foundation. If you never trusted Christ, believe today, right where you are, in simple faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Um, That's the gospel. Really coming out of that or surrounded by that is the whole word of God. And when we get to uh, chapter three, the last two uh, verses of chapter three, all scripture is breathed by God. 
It's that important. It's breathed out by God. And it's profitable for a lot of things. And we're going to see that in a few weeks. So, so as we think about these, we think about these um, patterns and pattern of sound words, we think about the gospel. We think about the whole counsel of God. It's not, it's not God's word and a whole bunch of other things. No, it's God's word and how it reveals his son, Jesus Christ. I love the way God in his word puts those two things together in John 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was... God. What God has communicated to us is so important. It's part of the pattern of sound doctrine. And then I think a pattern of sound doctrine also involves godly counsel. There's lots of things in our world today that the Bible doesn't speak directly to. And so it's good to get godly counsel about those things. Other people who can, who can help us to see and help us to understand and we can be accountable to. And so we have this idea of a pattern, a pattern of passing on in discipleship from one person to another, maturing in Christ and, and seeing that pattern. But then we have this pattern of the gospel, the whole world word of God and, and encouraging and spurring one another on a pattern. These are the tools. They're a roadmap for us as we strive and desire to uh, move forward in faithful service. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. In serving faithfully, we have to have the power. It's not, it's not enough to have the pattern. We have to have the power. It's found in verse 14. So he says all of this, all these things it says, and here it says, by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. You know, nothing will be accomplished in this service. Nothing will be accomplished in your spiritual life. Nothing outside of the working of the Holy Spirit in us. Not for eternity. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So by the Holy Spirit, that's the power by which we work. That's how we guard, it's how we guard what God has given to us. Timothy, Paul's saying, Timothy, you can't do this on your own. I, I think as Paul is writing these things, and we talked a bit about this last, Tim, Timothy's probably feeling pretty overwhelmed. Like, my, my mentor is going to be gone. My spiritual father is going to be gone. He's telling me, get to Rome, get to Rome, because my days are few. And, and I'm sure there was an anxiety that's building up into him. And, and Timothy goes, hey, hey, hey. Or Paul says to Timothy, hey, there's a pattern. There's a pattern. And the pattern is fulfilled by the power of the Holy Spirit. But what does the Holy Spirit do for us? We could take weeks to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to highlight a number of things very quickly today. But if you think about the Holy Spirit, it is by the Holy Spirit that we are able to fulfill the pattern that God has called us to. So don't, don't just try and work harder. It's like, I gotta trust more. I gotta get my eyes on, oh God, if you don't help us, if you don't come through for us, we are gonna fail in this. Lord, we need you. We need your spirit to lead and direct us. And so here's some of the things that the spirit of God does. In, in this text, it really just mentions uh, one thing, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. We'll come back to that in a second. Um, but coming back to our salvation, um, it talks about we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. There are other words we could look at at that point. We could talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All, all those things that the Spirit does when we are saved. One of them that I love is that we are sealed. 
In Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. So that's what happened. You heard the word, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Like that's the guarantee. If you continue reading on in Ephesians, the guarantee that God is going to deliver out of the, at the end. Um, the seal of the Holy Spirit. The word that's in our text here, you were indwelt. Um, this source of God's love. Romans 5, verses 3 to 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, know that, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's Holy Spirit indwells every single believer. Now, that's a thing that happens at your salvation and is with you for eternity. That's the work that God does in this sealing, guaranteeing, and in this indwelling that he does for us. God's Spirit gives gifts. Um, in, in the previous verses, he said, fan, fan into flame the gift. The gift. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And God has gifted us to serve him through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides and speaks to us. In John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And then in Acts 8, 29, we think of this idea, God speaking to us and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. And this is where the Ethiopian eunuch gets baptized and, and, and God works in the, in, in the mind of, of um, um, in the mind of Philip and says, you go over there, you do that. God, God still speaks today. I believe he primarily speaks through his word, uh, but God can speak and God can give you. I, I talked to a friend the other day on the phone and he phoned, he sent me a text going, the Lord just laid on my heart to pray for somebody. Like that just doesn't happen to me very much. God just like, you need to pray for that guy. And uh, we don't yet know why God did that. All he knew is he had to pray. Um, and I was so encouraged that he listened to the voice of God and he did. And we may not know on this side of heaven what that was about or what that was for, but God's spirit speaks to us. God's spirit in speaking to us, there's some caution that's needed in that. God's spirit speaking to us will never compromise or go against what the word of God says, right? I've used these illustrations before. If God's spirit is telling you to do something that the Bible says, don't do it, that's not God's spirit speaking to you. That might be Satan speaking to you. That might be the pizza you ate speaking to you. It might be the anchovies. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't the spirit of God. God's spirit never will go against the word of God. But God's spirit does speak to us and God prompts you to do something. If it's not sinful, if it's not against God's word, you do it by faith because it can be the speaking of God's word, the speaking of the spirit. Here's a cool one. God's spirit fills us. God's spirit fills us. In Ephesians 5, 18, it says, do not get drunk on wine for that's debauchery. That's wrong to be drunk, but be filled with the spirit. When you're drunk, the picture of is when you're drunk, you've taken in too much alcohol and it's filling you and it's now making you do things. And it's like, don't be filled like that. Be filled with the spirit of God. Be filled with the spirit. 
I hear a lot people ask, and we do it sometimes even in church, ask God, would you fill us? Would you fill us? Would you fill us? And, and I don't think that's wrong to do that. I don't, think it's a, I don't think you can make a strong scriptural argument to pray for the Spirit to fill you. You're like, Pastor, really? You can't? Well, show me the verses. There's, there's verses kind of around it, but nothing, nothing direct that says pray for the filling of the Spirit. I'll tell you why. Because I believe the filling of the Spirit happens out of the life that is being obedient and uh, responding to God and serving God. The Spirit being filled with the Spirit is being filled up with the right thing. So ask for it, fine. But the reality is, as a believer, not to get saved, but as a believer, we act for it. Don't ask for it, act for it. Do the things in your life before God that are gonna allow the Spirit of God to fill you and use you for his glory. And so as Timothy is being talked to by Paul and he says, Timothy, Timothy, by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Take on this pattern in your life with other people and the things you do. Get the word of God focused. Be obedient. Deal with the things God's calling you to deal with and you will be filled up with the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit. Here's another one. You can grieve the Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 and don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed by the day of redemption. How might we do that? Well, you might do that through uh, sinfulness, through disobedience, through pride, through arrogance, and God is desiring to do a work or move forward, and you're holding back, and you won't serve, or you won't do, and you're grieving. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. One that goes along with is quenching the Spirit. It means to put out the Spirit. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, do not quench the Spirit. Do not put out the flame. Do not put out the fire. We're not talking about putting the spirit out of your life in there. We're not talking about losing your salvation. We're talking about the effectiveness of the spirit of God in your life. Don't quench the spirit. Don't put out the spirit. Put out the spirit is opposite to what Paul already taught Timothy. Fan into flame. Fan into flame. It's in the same chapter. Fan into flame the gift. Don't put out the Spirit of God comforts us. Romans 8, 26, the first part says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Likewise, that same kind of those verses. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. One of the most awesome truths in Scripture for me is the Holy Spirit of God interceding on my behalf when I don't know what to pray for, when I don't know what to pray for with this crazy pandemic, when I don't know what to pray for, for the things that happen in our church, when I don't know what to pray for in my own heart sometimes, when I don't want to, the Spirit of God is interceding before God for me. How awesome is that? The Spirit of God convicts us of sin and he convinces us of sin as well. Romans 16, 8, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Then we learn some other things about the Spirit of God. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit 
the things demonstrating the Spirit of God in you, the things that are demonstrating you're filled with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. We are taught to walk in the Spirit or walk by the Spirit, Galatians 5, 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. People have asked me from time to time, like of of all the different weddings you've done, because you hear people say, you know, the divorce rate in the church is just as high as it is. And it's not true. It's not true, by the way, but, but they say that. Um, this idea of, of walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Here's the thing I can tell you about of the dozens and dozens of, of weddings that I have done. There isn't a single one that ended in divorce. Let me finish. There isn't a single one that ended in divorce where the couple's eyes were on the Lord. Not one. Not one. Some have some ended in divorce? Yeah, some have. It's because of selfishness. It's because of pride. It's because I want what I want more than I want what God wants. It's because of sinfulness by one partner or by both partners. But not one of those marriages has failed where we're seeking to walk in the Spirit. That's true for us. Walk in the Spirit because when you do that, the things that God's Spirit, the things that God's Word, the things that we are taught, when we do those things, we're taught to walk in the Spirit. We're told to pray in the Spirit. Um, Ephesians 6, 18 to 20. After the whole put on the whole armor of God part, pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Praying, okay, spirit, spirit, what do you want? God, what do you want? Lord, what do you desire? That's praying in the spirit, not looking for my agenda and what I will get, but asking, Lord, Lord, what do you want? I'm gonna pray in the spirit. And the last one, be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It speaks of the relationship. It speaks of this relationship we have with God. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship. And we have this relationship with the Spirit. And just as during a pandemic, we crave for fellowship, we crave to be together. I'm praying that the the government will allow us to start to come back together as a church really, really soon. Because why? Because this is important for us that we do life together. Well, we do life together with the Spirit as well. And so when Paul is talking to Timothy, he gives him this roadmap, but, but then he, he, he tells him that this is what you're going to need to make this possible to happen. It's not going to be possible because of you, Timothy. It will be impossible because of you. It'll be possible because of the Spirit of God in you. Follower of Christ, as I've gone through that list, we just did a, like a mini, mini, mini look at the work of the Holy Spirit. And what have you, what have you resisted against? What have you fought against? What are you holding out on? What are you quenching? Where are you putting out the spirit? Are you trusting by faith? Timothy is going to live the rest of his life without Paul to encourage and help him. And Paul's giving him the tools that he needs. And he's, and he's like, Timothy, Timothy, get this. By the Holy Spirit. Serving faithfully, serving faithfully. Well, Paul goes on in the rest of the first part, or the rest of this chapter, and I put it under this. This is the third point: serving faithfully, the practice, the practice, real life illustrations 
that makes serving real. Um, and he gives a couple of illustrations here that I think are really helpful for Timothy to understand and helpful for us to understand. This is like where the rubber really hits the road for us. Um, and he really says, he starts out by saying, Timothy, you need to understand this. You be faithful in what you're doing. You be faithful in your service. You be faithful in all that. Uh, get ready, Timothy. Everybody's not going to go with you. Some will oppose you. Um, you're going to need to learn how to lean in when it's hard. You're going to need to remember to be faithful and to not give up. And Paul really builds this around two major illustrations. The first one is those who turn away, even turn against you. So in the midst of this, he's given them his, like, his marching orders. Here's how you're going to go forward. Here's what you're going to do. Here's the pattern. Here's the power. Now get ready. Get ready because it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. Uh, look at these next verses. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygeles or Phygeles and Hermogenes. It sounds like two kinds of yogurt to me, but these two guys. Um, so who were they? everybody in Asia? All, all those people have. have t- I tried to put myself where Paul is as this is going on. Paul is in prison. He doesn't have the freedom to go around. He can't just run and get his books or, or get online and find out how do, you, how do you handle when things get tough and how do you... He's alone. So much of what he is is alone. Very few people around him. People are abandoning him and he's trying to be faithful and, and he starts out with um, all who are in Asia turned away from me. And then he mentions these two, these two people. Phygelus and Hermogenes. Um, why were they named? Uh, probably because they were the leaders of that group. Don't really know. All I know is, um, I thought about this, I read about this, but these two guys' names appear in Scripture, in Scripture, as people who turned away. I'm like, wow. I don't want that to ever be my story. People who turned away. Um, John Kelvin says about these two men. Uh, then Paul adds to the statement when he says, among whom are these two men? These two were not the only ones, but Paul found it necessary to point out to Phygelus and Hermogenes particular. Uh, he names two of the deserters, probably the best known, in order to put a stop to these slanderous attacks. For it usually happens that deserters from the Christian warfare seek to excuse their own disgraceful conduct by inventing what whatever accusations they can against faithful and upright ministers of the gospel. Paul's in prison and it's hard and it's difficult and all of these people in Asia are turned away from him and these two men are the ringleaders of it and their names are found in the pages of scripture as the ones who turned away, the ones who turned against. How terrible for them that their names would be written like that. But Timothy just realized it's not going to be easy. It's not. Everybody's not going to go with you. People who you thought were with you aren't going to be with you. Get your eyes on the pattern. Get your eyes on the Lord. Get your, your mind on the Holy Spirit. Allow God to be working. Remain faithful. Remain faithful. We're hearing stories in the Christian world right now of Christian leaders who've gone off, went off the rails, and we can be really torn and struck by that and hurt by that, and we should be. It should be a warning to us, and it should cause us to ponder the Word of God and think seriously, but 
It's going to be difficult. Timothy, it's going to be difficult. Hope Markham, it's going to be difficult. But I'm going to go with you. I've given you the pattern. I've given you the spirit. You don't give up. You lean in. You be faithful. Then he goes on to the second part of this. And he says, those who faithfully count the cost and who stick with you. Look at uh, the rest of the chapter, really. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my change. You got this group returned and they they blew out. You You got this guy who's not ashamed. Listen, look what it says. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and he found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. So you've got this one who's come, this this, this man who's come and he, he, he refreshed me. He refreshed me physically. He refreshed me emotionally. He refreshed me spiritually. Um, you know someone like that? Do you know someone like that who's, who's refreshing to you in times of difficulty? Uh, maybe a better question is, are you like that? Are you the person who's seeing the person in need and coming along and helping them and refreshing them emotionally and physically and, and spiritually? It says he was not ashamed. He was not ashamed, first of all, to identify with Christ or with Paul in his chains. Um, This is the third time that word ashamed appears in this chapter. He wasn't ashamed. Because of his love for Jesus Christ, because of his love for the servant of Jesus Christ, he went the extra mile. He didn't do just barely enough, but he did all that he could. And I love Paul's response. It's so humbling, I think, even for him to say it. May the Lord grant him to find mercy. Now, really, that makes sense because no one else can grant that mercy. That mercy, really, that he's talking about can only come from God. But Paul is powerless to do these things. He's in prison. When he was outside of prison, he had all kinds of options open to him of things he could do and ways he could encourage. But, but his ability is like, oh, Lord, please, please. Please, would you demonstrate your mercy? Grant him mercy. Grant him that he wouldn't get what he deserved, but rather he would get what he doesn't deserve in grace. When? In that day. Because I can't satisfy what, what, what could be done in this. I can't do anything about it. But on that day, Lord, on that day, you're going to make it all right. You're going to do all the right things. It's all going to be for your glory. That's what struck me. As I was thinking, I read this. God, help me to be a that day person. God help you to be a that day person. In the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the trial, today we can be discouraged and frustrated. No, no, that's time to lean in on God and don't grow weary in doing good. Why? Because we're looking forward to that day. Help me, God. Help me to be a man of God who lives looking forward to that, that day. Well, so what? So what? In steadfast endurance, in all that we've seen in this idea of being unashamed because of all that God has done for us, I won't give up. I will be faithful. I will trust the Lord. 
as I, as I think about moving forward, I will, I will live the pattern of life to reproduce myself for the glory of God in other people. I will be a, a man of God who's centered on the gospel, centered on the word, leaning on each other in fellowship for God to work in us. I, will, I won't grow weary in doing good when it gets difficult, but I will seek to be like that one who goes the extra mile for the glory of God. In Matthew 25, 21, it says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. 1 Corinthians 4, 2. Moreover, it's required of a steward that they be found faithful. As God looks at me today, as God looks at you today, is he finding you faithful? And if not, then this is the opportunity to make those things right and be right before the God in the middle of difficulty, in the middle of circumstances that we don't want. This, this is lean in time. This is trust the Lord time. This is the time to us to be faithful, unashamed. I will serve you wholeheartedly, faithful service because God, you have given us all we need in the word, in relationship, in the power of your spirit to do all that you call us to do for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this chapter. It's, it's an amazing chapter. And as we think about it, we rejoice in the way you work and the way you served. And God, all that you've done for us, would we be faithful, faithful, God, in our service. Thank you for the example of Paul to Timothy and how he's going to take this on and live it out in his life. We're going to see as uh, the rest of this book unfolds, the rest of the things he taught, Lord, so that he would be a faithful man used for your glory. God, would that be my story? Would that be our story? For the fame of Jesus Christ, we pray these things. Amen.